0: How did folks. Work folks? to camera Shake, Steak, where, where we, we bring you the insider scoop on all things photography and, photography. and videography. <laughs> giving you a unique opportunity to stay ahead of the curve. <laughs> We've spent literally hundreds of hours interviewing some of the most renowned photographers of our time, giving you access to knowledge and expertise that's not available anywhere else. As always, I'm your host, Kirsten Nuts, and in today's episode, I've got some incredibly exciting and awesome news for you. So buckle up, grab a cold one. And let's shake it up with today's guest, right after this. Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 147. But hang on, wait a minute. Before we get into today's episode, I have one small favour to ask of you. If you enjoy this podcast... Please join the Camera shake community over on camerashakepodcast.com so that you're the first ones to know when we've got exciting news for you. You'll find the link in the description or if you're watching on YouTube and I don't forget to put it in, it'll be right down here somewhere on the screen. But without further ado, let's give it up for today's special guest, Dave Williams, live in the studio. When the crowd goes wild, Wait. where is the crowd? i played it. Damn it. <laughs> We're <laughs> going to talk about one of the most incredible opportunities for photographers this year. Yeah. Ooh, shall we tell? It's a, it's a pretty incredible opportunity for
1: it's... photographers this year. Oh, absolutely. 100%. We mentioned it when I was guest uh, four or five episodes back. Yes. Episodes... We, we mentioned it, touched on it, but didn't really go into a great deal of detail. But together... Kirsten and I are going to be running the Lofoten Islands Viking Photography Workshop. It's an exclusive series of six photography workshops in the Lofoten Islands, 200 miles north of the Arctic Circle in northern Norway, this September, October and January.
0: That's the news. That's the news. That's it. Okay, see you later. (laughs) That's (laughs) it. When you think of the Lofoten Islands, you know, what comes to to mind are these incredible images of red fishing huts and mountains in the background and everything else. And of course... We're going to be shooting that, no doubt. The landscape there is one of the most incredible landscapes yeah. in Europe, and actually in the world. Yeah. It's you know it's just absolutely mind-boggling. But that's not all. Oh, that's not all because not only are we did doing, you say Northern Lights, I haven't mentioned Northern Lights yet. So, and Northern Lights, but that's not all. Exactly. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so Northern Lights, obviously, um, if you're like me and you haven't actually ever seen Northern Lights with your own eyes, then then this is going to be an amazing opportunity to not only obviously witness them, but also learn how to photograph them, because that in itself is a whole different game. But that's not all, because, well, there's more. Wait, there's more? There's more. Wow. <laughs> there's more. So it's not only landscapes, the most incredible landscapes in the world, um, the arctic the arctic of course you know the northern lights the northern lights who in the to... santa so, yeah. oh no reindeer, <laughs> reindeer. there's going to
1: be reindeer so be reindeer. um we've got exclusive access to a paddock of reindeer owned by a um a semi reindeer herder yeah. Um. on the island of Vesteroland, which is just around the corner from Lofoten, And we're going to go and spend some time inside the reindeer paddock. We're going to feed the reindeer, make friends with them, and then we're going to sneak up on them and take their pictures when, when we've become oh, friends. I'm glad you didn't say... Gain their trust. I'm glad you didn't say... We're going to shoot them. Uh, we're going to take their photograph. Ah. Right. Um, Or make their
0: photograph, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. That's a thing. Uh, but th- that's not all. That's not all. No. no. It just keeps going. That's not all. Because uh, apart from um apart from running master classes in landscape photography and northern light photography we're also going to be running a portrait photography masterclass with real life vikings whoa mm. real life vikings actual
1: genuine vikings straight out of valhalla mm. these guys are so there's three of them so there's going to be um one of them's going to be in the September workshops, a different one's going to be in the October workshops, and a different one is going to be in the January workshops, and these guys are professional Viking models, so they, they do all the TV stuff, you know, like the Game of thrones type type, Norsemen <laughs> type, all that stuff, they do that stuff, they're in the movies. Uh, bodybuilders they're ripped
0: they're shredded as they say but they, they look absolutely incredible i mean not only that but also you know it's it's the costumes it's the weaponry yeah. um there's the armor the shields the whole the stars
1: the makeup everything they do it all and it's on the
0: money if you if you've seen the series vikings on um on amazon prime mm-hmm. um or vikings valhalla which i believe is in paramount in the uk then uh, then you know exactly what we're talking about because that is exactly yeah. what we're talking
1: we're not talking um LARPing, you know, live action role play. We're not talking the kind of Vikings that roll around and then they go to the tent and then they make tea and then we're not talking that. We're talking like movie style, cosplay right. style. All the armor, all the stuff. It's gonna be, it's gonna be so cool. Yeah. But yeah, we're taking them out into the landscapes in Lofoten. Yeah. We're gonna shoot them. But we, so we're gonna have the landscape masterclass. We're gonna have the portrait masterclass. We're gonna have ambient light and flash. We're gonna have the Northern Lights. We're gonna have the reindeer. We, you said about the red cabins. We're staying at a place called Svinoyaroba, which is uh, 195 year old traditional um, fishing village with all the red cabins wooden cabins by the sea but they've been restored and bought up to date so it's like modern luxury with attached to it borsen speech which is one of the finest restaurants in northern norway incredible food and we're going to be eating there together as a team on the first night okay. we're going to have a viking feast in there on the last night and trash the place <laughs> it's going to be
0: incredible <laughs> um and i feel like we should say but that's not all, because I feel like there's more. This it's it's such an incredibly jam-packed week mm. of um you know of photography mm. bonanza. It's it's just incredible. Mm. You know, I mean apart from you know, apart from the fact that that we're in this incredible landscape and this, you know, amazing part of the world, you know, we'll we'll have the opportunity to um to experience that with you know some of the some of the experts especially when when it comes to the aurora borealis or the northern Night mm-hmm. you know there's no better place to be than Lofoten we'll talk about why that is in just a second I was just gonna say I could tell you why but <laughs> um not only uh, you know you're gonna have a chance to be in this amazing you know location but you're gonna be able to be there with one of the leading experts on northern lights photography i.e Dave Williams right here. The man who literally wrote the book on it. The bestseller. The bestseller. So my book, The Complete Aurora Guide for Travelers and Photographers,
1: Travelers and Photographers, excuse me, I'm too excited, um, is a bestseller. Uh, You can get it on Amazon. Um, and it explains the aurora mechanics, how to photograph the Northern Lights. It gives you a load of folklore and stories from days gone by, including Viking stories. But we're going to go into that in detail on the workshop as well, if you want to hear it straight out of my mouth in story form. And we'll obviously demonstrate everything in, in the
0: actual place. That's, that's that the thing. location. Yeah. yeah. But do you want to know why the Northern Lights are so good in Lofoten? I think I know why, but go ahead. I oh, know, go on. I think it's got something to do with the composition of the rock. Yes, is that what it is? that's something. In that particular area. Yeah. It has like a high yeah. content of iron, maybe? Um, no.
1: Right. You were going in the right direction, uh, though, get- so that's fine. Um, So the Northern Lights are caused by plasma, helium plasma flying through space from the sun, right. coronal mass ejections, solar flares. They fly through space and they come into our interplanetary magnetic field. They get attracted to the poles. They hit gases in our ionosphere. And that collision of the gases that this plasma hits um there has to be an exchange of energy and that exchange is released in the form of light so therefore we see light in the sky when these particles collide bang the location at which the lights come in or the plasma comes in to our ionosphere is dictated by our earth magnetic field and kind of the polarity of the plasma itself but the good thing about Lofoten, and the reason why Lofoten is one of the best places, if not the best place in the world to see the northern lights, is the mountains are made of granite. Oh,
0: right. So you have these yes.
1: enormous chunks of granite, and granite is conductive. It it helps with the magnetic field. Right. And so you get these sharp, incredibly strong rays of light above you with the aurora because of that. So if you go to other places, if you go to Canada or well, Iceland, it's a bit wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. It's still there. It's still good. But... In Lofoten, it's just better. It's more focused, more concentrated
0: because of the composition of the terrain. You know, it's really geeky. You know what really, really geeky. what amazes me the most, and you know, I'm a big fan of Vikings and you yeah. know Viking lore and all that kind of stuff. And I think <laughs> <it's cool. laughs> I just um, you know, I just think if you lived there in the 800s, yep, you know, back in medieval times, yeah. and King Oystein lived there in 893. So, so you were pretty good with your time. Yeah, I like absolutely. It. Yeah. So you know, um, well, you know the Viking raids mm-hmm. in Britain. Yeah. The end of the ninth century, basically. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. We're talking Ragnar Loth. What's his name? Loth. That's it. And his various sons. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I'm just thinking. Like, you, you imagine at that time, you know, being a Viking living living in that place, mm. and Leofodon is literally literally the place yeah. where seafaring vikings were yeah were you know yeah. resident so to say but just imagine you know living there and witnessing these the northern Night spectacle yeah you know night on night i mean yeah. what
1: what was going through their
0: minds what was going through their minds yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. it's crazy when you think about it but that
1: that's the reason so if, if you are either a fan of vikings or if you've watched any of the marvel stuff with thor and all that those characters you'll be aware of um some of the stories you might be aware of, some of the stories anyway of the Valkyries mm-hmm. they come and take the warriors from battle and take them to Valhalla, Valhalla, the great hall in the sky, heaven basically. That's well, the warriors go when they die, when, when they successfully
0: died in a, battle, and drink and feast with the gods, exactly. That's the idea with Odin and all the other guys. And so, <laughs> which is actually yeah. what we're going to be doing on the last day, exactly. <laughs> so we own, we're going to have a big
1: hall. Viking feast, that's it, um, in the great hall at Svinaya.
0: <laughs> so they go
1: over, the Valkyries take them to Valhalla over the Rainbow Bridge, over Bidfrost. Right. And that's the Northern Lights. That's what the Northern Lights are.
0: Oh, right, it, okay. There's an
1: arc in the sky of
0: light, like a rainbow. Yes. And
1: so, Bitfrost,
0: so, so the rainbow the, Bridge. the Rainbow Bridge so in mythology... Right, the, the one that we know from Marvel movies. That is the Northern Lights.
1: Right, I see, okay. In Viking stories, that is what the Northern Lights are. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing because... Um, every culture that witnessed the Northern lights has stories to explain it because obviously the science wasn't there then so they didn't know what it was. They didn't know what was going on. And so um, this another one relating to the sea it comes from just down the road from the photon in Sweden mm-hmm. where they were big into fishing. And so the big fishing um, stock that you want to catch in those Arctic waters are scray or cod and the cod follow the herring because the cod eat the herring. So, If you can find the herring, you can find the cod, and you can feast. So what they believed in Sweden hundreds of years ago is that the Northern Lights were, I can't remember the Swedish word for it, but it translates to herring flash. Okay. And so the green light in the sky was the reflection of masses of herring in the water underneath. So when they saw the herring flash, the Northern Lights, they sailed that way because then they thought they're going to get all the cod. The herring are there, the herring flash, so the cod must be there too. Was that particularly successful or anything? <laughs> I mean, that, um, I, I don't know. Take it as you wish. Yeah, but that's that's the Swedish story. And there are so many stories of the Northern Lights throughout the, the globe. Their oldest recorded drawing of the Northern Lights. This is going to blow your mind. Okay, is in a cave in the south of France. In the south of France, on the, on the edge of the Pyrenees. Wow. Okay. So the um, the sun goes through a solar cycle. And we've been observing observing the solar cycles since the 1700s. And it's basically all, they didn't know it was connected to the Northern Lights, but they were observing the solar cycles, all the ancient um, astronomers, and noticed the sun had more activity and then less activity, and it was a cycle. And this cycle goes over approximately 11 years. And right now, we're approaching solar maximum, the peak of this current um, solar cycle and the beginning of the next solar cycle. So we're now going into solar cycle 25 Mm -hmm. since they started measuring and observing and that means the northern lights this winter coming perfectly timed for this workshop are going to be the strongest they've been for 11 years and for
0: the next 11 years to come right so it's an 11 year cycle it's an 11 year cycle. right so now's the time now is the time wow okay
1: i've just spent um 80 days there this winter and i've seen I think probably four. Four of my top five Northern Lights displays were were knocked out for displays I saw this past eighty days in the, in the Arctic. Wow! So like for the past seven or eight years worth of Northern Lights, just this one winter season we've just had, four mm. just got knocked off because this these these lights now are so strong because we're approaching solar and- maximum. We're getting so many more. Um, Solar flares, so many more substorms, geomagnetic storms. For example, when I left and I got a ferry from Norway to Denmark, so I'm approximately the same latitude as Scotland, I had the northern lights overhead on the ferry. Wow. Okay. And I was shooting it on my iPhone.
0: Yeah.
1: Because that's where we are
0: with photography now. Well, that's, I mean, that's that is another really incredible thing. You know, you, you can, you can witness, not only witness those, but actually record those events now with like literally with your iPhone. Yeah. That yeah. that in itself, in I mean, last week's episode, um, I spoke to Lisa Carney, who, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, is also very much into mobile photography mm-hmm. and, and mobile editing, actually, mobile post-processing. Yeah, she's great with Lightroom Mobile. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's really, it really strikes me that I'd say over the last year and a half, maybe, yeah. Yeah. it's really exploded. Yeah. Like... There's been a massive leap forward in technology with the iPhone 14 and yeah. the Galaxy. I yeah, I
1: don't,
0: I don't. And, know it,
1: it's mind blowing. But when you look at, um, so the iPhone photography conference is coming up. Mm. So I don't want to say too much about the things that I'm going to teach in the class because obviously I'm getting paid for that gig. But <laughs> yeah. one of the things that I talk about heavily in that class is the fact that not only photography but all photography is pushing towards being computational. Yeah. So to to summarize what I mean by that, with the iPhone, when you take a photo, it is you don't need to do anything, you don't need to tweak any settings, you just open the camera app, the Apple camera app, and it automatically sets the white balance, balances the exposure, gives you a bracketed HDR kind of exposure in one, and everything's just kind of perfect, the focal point, the focus point is perfect, everything's perfect. As soon as you open the app, and it's and it's done. And so it's because of all the AI and all the trickery,
0: yeah. the computational stuff within the camera. And it's if you you can compare that to the auto mode in your traditional camera. But mm. the difference is, is that the AI built into your mobile phone now mm-hmm. is actually intelligent. Yeah, it's like it can figure out. Most likely what the main subject of your shot is supposed to be. And yeah. therefore meter Identify and it. Yeah. Identify, Identify what it is. Yeah. Identify what it is. That's a dog, for example. Yeah. But also it's looking at
1: every individual pixel. And making each individual pixel perfect. Rather than, rather than having the sensor perfect mm. for what you say are the settings. It looks at each individual pixel and makes each pixel perfect. So that your exposure is perfectly balanced. It's not clipped. The white balance is correct. The focus is correct. Everything's right. So it's computational. It's making the scene. It's not opening the shutter and taking the light in and recording what is there. It's assessing what is there, deciding what it should look like and computationally putting it all together to make the photo that you
0: think you are. Well, and the argument- what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes, and the argument has yeah. always been, you know, traditionally is like, as far as the automatic mode on a camera was concerned, the, the the argument has always been that, you know, as a photographer, you're the brains behind the operation. So you're yeah. making the creative decisions. And yeah. so the camera's just a dumb piece of you know metal basically that yeah. doesn't really know and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. with computational photography now, it's gotten to the point where the, the computer inside of your phone makes an educated guess as to what your creative yeah. um idea is. And it will basically Make the image perfect for that, and because this assumption is not just a random assumption, but based on a whole. It's based on machine learning. Yeah, based on machine learning. It's trained to to recognize things. It will, you know, it it just it, it makes a much, 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 much better assumption. Yeah. Than any any other camera has ever been able to do. But,
1: but, but Samsung have got themselves in a bit of hot water this week. Have they? They advertised that the galaxy s23 could zoom in and take a stunning photograph of the moon what actually is happening is it's recognizing when you point it at the moon recognizing that the round splodge is the moon and then the ai is filling it in in detail right and do you know how they figured it or how someone figured this out someone on reddit Saw this, figured that that's probably not right. You you sensor's tiny; it probably isn't exactly what's going on. So what they did is they took a stock photo of a full moon, shrank it to one hundred and seventy by one hundred and seventy pixels, blurred it in Photoshop, and then went across the room from their screen with the S twenty three, took the photo, right, and they had a crisp, clear, perfect picture of the moon on their phone, right. They didn't take a photo of the moon; yeah. and it wasn't crisp, right. But the photo is of the moon. So the AI is up to stuff. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that's a bad thing. It's not... um, uh, How do we put this nicely? It's not accurate. It's not true traditional photography. But as long as you're aware that that's what's happening and have the ability to turn it off, then I don't think that's a bad thing. Samsung obviously tried to sneak it under the radar. though. They got caught. So what else is fake within
0: your smartphone photography that's it i mean the thing is you know i think i don't necessarily think it's it's uh it's a negative thing to mm. have you know to, to have technology help you create your vision yeah ultimately yeah. you know
1: that's what we do with photoshop it's what we do in the Lightroom. it's what we did before exactly. in the dark room
0: oh absolutely yeah absolutely it's but
1: it's it's more about the consciousness
0: it's knowing yeah. that it is happening
1: Having the ability to control it, tweak it, or turn it off.
0: Yeah. That I think is the big deal. We're just, you know, we're at the I think we're at the cusp of a new um technology mm-hmm. taking over with artificial intelligence, you know, generally across the board, not only in photography, but you know, across the board when it comes to you think of chat GPT, you know, yeah. and all the rest of it. Um so that's it's equally true with imagery as it is with copy or text, yeah. you know, and, and all the rest of it. We
1: now we now have um um what's it called, version five of the our AI photos, what's it called? You know the one. You know, you know the text to image.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Um,
1: that thing that Kirsten's going to put right here on the screen. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're on version five of that, and the 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 problem that was identified before was that eyes was strange because it wasn't a white circle and a colored circle and a black circle it was like a random selection of circles in weird places and hands ai couldn't do hands oh, yeah. they were like six fingers four fingers seven yeah. fingers two thumbs weird, you think that, weird stuff but you that, think that they've you... now completely fixed that yeah with version five five fingered hands perfect eyes it's fixed so in what eight months from version four to version five yeah fix that problem and we're steaming
0: ahead yeah i mean the development is, is exponential i mean we've you know we've uh, we've talked about this in detail with uh Micah burke for example when mm-hmm. he was in the show um you know a few months ago mm-hmm. uh, i think beginning of december i will put the, the link to the episode that's great um you know and even then i mean there's been a there's been a massive leap forward since then but i remember being you know, speaking to him at the beginning of december and thinking like oh, dolly we talked about Dali. Dali. It's called Dali. Well, so we talked about Dali originally um, in August last year. Yeah. You know, and then between that and the beginning of December, again, that you know, that Dali, Dali, Dali version was, was like an old hat, you know, yeah. at that point. So it's incredible how that how that um how exponential the development is of, of that technology. And mm. you know, chat GPT is just another example for that. You know, it's just incredible what you can do in absolutely no time yeah. with with that oh, of software. Yeah you know it's not necessarily perfect and it just still means that you have to you know fact check it and go yeah. through
1: it and the, the images are downscaled you have to upscale them but we okay. can upscale them using ai with yeah, well, um, exactly. topaz um gigapixel yeah. with on one uh resize ai with um luminar Skylum AI. ai yeah. there are there are all these softwares out there that use ai to upscale images so it's not just creating the image in the first place. It's not just using Chat GPT to write text. We can also then make the adjustments.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you think about, I mean, in a professional sense, you know, the usefulness of that, for example, let's say you have, um, let's say you create an image that, you know, needs to be used for an advertising campaign. It needs to go on the side of a bus, for example, or the side of a building or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to upscale that image um, is, a, is a huge, huge advantage, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where you can, you can actually use it in that in that form rather than having to reshoot or and go through the whole process again you know and mm. so it's, uh, it's humongous it also means that you don't necessarily always have to shoot with like a 100 megapixel
1: yeah. cameras for yeah. example you shoot with your iphone 48 megapixels on the exactly. iphone 13, 14. yeah 12 on the iphone 13. here's a here's a sneaky thing the 48 megapixels is actually four 12 megapixel sensors yeah stacked what They don't tell you that either. Uh, Anyway, that's not to say it's not real. Are we going to segue into a new topic? Because I really want to do something that I've not done before. What's that? We'll be back right after this word from our sponsors.
0: Let me just say a quick thank you to our sponsor, DVE Store. DVE Store's mission is to help you create better video and provide you with the tools necessary to explore your creativity. If you have any digital video equipment needs, whether that's camera equipment, audio gear or lighting, and much more, you can check them out at dvestore.com. Thank you to DVE Store for the high-def video. And of course, you can find a link to DVE Store in the description.
1: I'll point out that they're not my sponsors. They're not our sponsors. They're Kirsten's sponsors. I'm sorry for that. Oh, we okay. went off track as well. Let's talk about Vikings. Oh, Vikings. Because I've got some questions for you. All right. I'm going to flip everything upside down in this episode cool so you've been a portrait photographer and a headshot photographer for quite some time you've got a lot of experience you're really good with lighting and you're really good with directing a subject right what would you say is the biggest mistake people make directing a subject and how can they overcome the biggest mistake that you identify
0: well (laughs) because
1: i see a lot of like when i did weddings i saw a lot of just turn this way turn this way do this and it was all just using a hand
0: and yeah. when people didn't understand it, there was no fallback. Well, exactly. So, I mean, it's one of, the, one of the things I always go through, you know, every single time I shoot a session, especially with people who are not used to posing in front of the camera. Like, I, for instance, you know, we do corporate headshots, something like that. You know, people who are just not used to to being in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you've got to actually do is explain to them how your posing system works. Right. Okay. And you've got to give them reasons so they understand what they're doing. Right. So, for example, a good example is you know headshots. Um, the posing starts with the feet. This okay. doesn't make any sense because we're not actually photographing the feet. But if we want to get our head in the right position, we need to actually get our body into the right position. That makes sense. And therefore, we just start at the bottom, and we basically work from the feet up. Right. Okay. okay. So that's the first thing. So, um, in saying that, you know, I need to I need to give the client or the subject. Um, a reason as to why I'm doing what I'm doing, or why I want them to do what I want them to do. So, so once you, that, uh, you, you, I, for me,
1: I'd, I'd say, okay, because a lot. I'd, I'd, have, I'd just remind myself, just say, because, and then it would help me to explain. Yes, absolutely. It? Yeah. So
0: that's, that's the thing. So When you're talking to somebody who's, who doesn't really have any experience in front of the camera, they need to really understand the causality of why, you know, why they did, they need to understand the why they're supposed to be doing what okay. they're doing. Um, because what that does is, is throughout the session, It'll get them, because they're understanding why they're doing, you know, why they're moving ahead in a certain way or whatever, yeah. why they're standing. In. A pool. Yeah. Yeah. So if they understand why they're doing that, then they'll start doing it themselves. And actually what it means is over time, you have to give them less direction, Okay. you know, yep. and it just, it it actually makes the experience much more enjoyable because all of a sudden it feels like we're working together. Yeah. You know, it's not just me clicking the shutter button, but it's, it's the subject actually doing their thing. And mm. and so it becomes a thing that we're doing together rather than something that I'm doing to them. Okay. Does that make sense? Um, you know, that's, that's one thing. And so, you know, as far as, for instance, you know, hand gestures is a good example. You mentioned that. Um, I explained to people why, you know, why I use certain hand gestures mm. and, um, and in explaining that I mirrored the action. And so mirroring is a really super important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's important because from my background in education, I know that not all people learn in the same way. Mm. Some people need an explanation. Right, That's fine. Some people learn visually, for example. And it, Some impossible. people need to copy you. Yeah, some people need to actually do the action. You know, kinetic learners, it's actually a huge thing. The, the majority of people are kinetic learners. Mm. So you need to get somebody, you need to basically show an example, you know, mirror, get them to mirror everything that you do. And in getting the, the subject to perform the movements that you wanted to perform, you need to do them yourself. Mm-hmm. And rather than overcomplicating things, you know, mirroring something means that if I, you know, imagine imagine if I lift my right arm, mm-hmm. they would be lifting the left arm because they're literally mirroring what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's so I just, you know, I have to think as a photographer, I have to think no, the wrong I mean, way the around. But yeah. there's there are ways around that as well. For instance, I won't use the, the words left and right because it's it's confusing. Yeah. Because it's some people don't know it anyway. Well, exactly. And I get I confuse myself all the time, hmm. you know, because I'm thinking, like, is it my right? So it's your left. So that's all of a sudden, that's confusing. So, you know, I'll talk about things like, you know, your far shoulder or your camera foot, which is the foot closest to the camera, for example. You know, so that way we know what we're talking about regardless as to whether it's left or right. Because depending on which way I'm standing, it might be my left shoulder or my right shoulder mm-hmm. as opposed to the, yeah. to the camera. Okay, You know, and things like that. So it's um it's it's relatively straightforward but again the, the key is is to and i always say this the key is initially to build up trust and that really starts before we even jump in front of the camera mm-hmm. you know um that's the whole thing that happens before the shoot even starts it's just building up of you know rapport and trust and all that um but then when we start shooting it's about really being very clear on on why um we need why I need the subject to to do certain things and very often you know it, it helps to just go a little bit into you know what photography actually is and, and how you know how we're how we're kind of compressing three-dimensional the three-dimensional work, uh, world into two dimensions and all the rest of it and then they understand why I want them to for instance you know stretch their neck out into like a you know like a turtleneck, for example. Exactly, because now I want the focus to be on the on get the rid of all of these. these. Well, get rid of that, and also make the face the biggest thing in the frame, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, all that. Um, but if... how would you deal with someone that doesn't want to play the game, like an angry barbaric
1: Viking, for example? <laughs> okay. What, what if someone's really struggling and they and they're not cooperating? How do you win them round, or how do you make them understand? Well, I mean, it's it's all about building
0: up trust. That's the first thing. But but the thing is, you know, it's all about. Um, giving instructions in in the language that your subject understands, mm-hmm. you know. For instance, take Vikings, for example, and, and I think, I was thinking about, you know, Vikings quite a lot, obviously, because we're playing this, this workshop. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing for me is, is that in order to get somebody to to, um, to pose in an interesting way, because that's exactly what we want to try and do. We want to try and create some really interesting mm-hmm. um, dramatic. imagery, dramatic. dramatic imagery, yeah. and. You know, the stereotype when it comes to that sort I think we think, you know, okay, Vikings, you know, they are warriors, you know, they have weapons, swords, shields, you know, that sort of thing. So the instinct would be to put them into fighting poses. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. It looks awesome, you know, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, we can do that. But, you know, very quickly, we're at a point where, you know, we're limiting ourselves with what we can get these models to do. You know, mind you, on the course, we'd be working with professional models so they know how to hold a sword, mm-hmm. you know, that's cool. But if you dive a little bit deeper and think think about what Vikings actually were. They were warriors, for sure, but yeah. they were also explorers, yeah, for example, you know, people who would sail the Atlantic across the Atlantic, yeah. And, you know, they would discover things they like bound Iceland. Greenland, Iceland, Greenland. North America. Yep. They're one of the but most likely the first Europeans to ever actually yep. set foot. And they found Canada and Finland. Exactly. Yep. So, you know, so they were explorers as well. So actually, now, once you look at that from from that perspective, then you can think of some poses that would basically personify exploration rather than violence and warfare. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So immediately you're opening up um lots of other aspects of how you can your your Vikings mm-hmm. and what kind of situation you can put them in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a really you know, they were also, I mean, t- to an extent, of course, you could take that a lot further. You know, they were when they were not on the warpath, they were farmers, most likely, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, these hunting are hunting farming and yeah, yeah, fishing. Exactly. That was a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and of course they also had um you know, family relations. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know that you can bring all these sort of things in it. Um, the other thing I think that's that's really important is is to to think creatively sometimes, and to use a principle called called juxtaposition, mm-hmm. where you where you create imagery whereby you have a subject, for instance, where the expectation is well that that subject should be doing this, like you know, like a, a Viking should be, um, you know, swinging a sword, for example, mm-hmm. totally cool. But just imagine if you put that Viking in a situation that's completely un-Viking-ish. Yeah. Right? So, for instance, you know, just imagine a shot where you have a Viking drive a car. Yeah, okay. Right? So you can create some really cool imagery about this, with this idea. Yeah, this of This Viking having an unusual adventure. Yeah, a Viking yeah. checking out their mobile phone, for example. Yeah. Right? So you can create things that, that um, make people stop and think, you know, rather than, Creating something that just goes along with the expectation that yeah. we would naturally have. Well, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. You know. Don't you don't want to go with the flow? Yeah. Because these aren't the things that stand out.
1: Exactly. The things that stand out are the things that are different that break the mold. Exactly. And so, if we can be the ones that create that, this is the Eiffel Tower effect. You know that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The Eiffel Tower effect is the name I've coined for the sheer volume of identical photos mostly due to instagram influencers going to places making them famous and shooting the same thing in the same way so the eiffel tower is the name because the eiffel tower is the most photographed thing in the world fact google it and so it's hard to get a unique photo of the eiffel tower so if you can break the eiffel tower effect you can get a unique photo of a familiar thing Yeah. so if we can get some unique photos of familiar uh, landscapes in Lofoten using the vikings absolutely um, with the reindeer, the just the, the the landscapes themselves shot from different angles, different perspectives, different um,
0: lenses. Diff- just there's so many different techniques that we can yeah. use. We can overcome the Tower effect. And the Tower effect in in posing, I think, it's a really you know, that's that's a, it's a really uh, important aspect. Mm. And you know, I'm not saying let's go out and you know photograph Vikings holding mobile phones or mm-hmm. driving cars. But what I'm saying is let's think about. You know what we could do differently with the model that we have at our you know, disposal right yeah. there um you know it's we're going to learn how to how to light our subjects yeah in really interesting ways um not only in the classroom but also obviously on location yeah so we're going to learn how you know if you're a natural light shooter for example fantastic but if you've never shot with off-camera flash, yeah. you know, on location. Control outside. the light yourself. Exactly. Controlling yeah. molding the light yourself, then you know you'll you know, you'll you'll get the key to you know creating really powerful images mm-hmm. um on you know in this workshop. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk about how to light our subjects, mm-hmm. you know, on location with off-camera flash, for example. We're gonna learn how to balance the natural light with our artificial light to create some images that are you know, that look incredible. Yeah. And then... And we're going to learn about the landscape and how to put them into the landscape. Yeah. And, you know, and then we're going to learn how to edit those images yeah. to really take them to the next level. So it's it's the shooting stage as well as the post-processing stage yeah. that we're going to dive into in detail. Um, and we're going to, of course, we're going to use uh, some of the most, you know, most popular uh, software packages around, uh, Lightroom and Photoshop, yeah. you know, which which in itself I think the vast majority of people should have some experience with lightroom at least Mm -hmm. um and or photoshop Mm -hmm. so we're going to look at lightroom specifically and then we're going to look at um how we can combine lightroom with photoshop as well um to really you know unlock the power of those
1: post processing what what my and i've not said this anywhere this isn't in any marketing material or anything but what i want to try and achieve for each workshop each of the six there are only six is very exclusive is I want to get a photo of the Viking under the Northern Lights on each workshop.
0: Yeah,
1: that's the that's the goal. That's the that's the goal, and that's a photo that you'll get if you come on the workshop that no one else has got. Nobody. Yeah, so that's going to be cool. It's going to be a challenge, but if anyone can make it happen, it's me.
0: Go oh, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it'll happen. It's you know, it's it's super exciting. I think it'll be, you know, it'll be, it's it's definitely the most exciting all-round concept mm-hmm. for a workshop that I have ever come across. Mm-hmm. Because you'll see, you know, you come across landscape photography workshops in, you know, areas like Lofoten or like Norway or, you know, or Iceland in particular. You know, you, you come across, let's say, you know, Northern Light photography courses. But to combine those two and to throw in... The reindeer and the Vikings. The reindeer and the Vikings. The luxury the, meal the, at Boston, yeah, the Viking absolutely. feast, the sauna... Exactly. Oh,
1: the sauna. sauna. Yeah. You can have a polar plunger and a sauna, but (laughs) you say say that it's all together. It's all different. It's the same, but different. Yeah. But what we've done, as well as be able to bring everything together and then add some extra stuff, the reindeer, the Viking, uh, the sauna, the restaurant, everything else. I've managed to negotiate such an amazing deal with all the suppliers this is the same price as those workshops yeah it's absolutely incredible it's this is the same price point as the workshops without
0: the viking without the that's pretty good yeah i don't know how you could possibly cram more stuff into a week <laughs> it's just you know just... i had to
1: i had to be careful not to overload it but it's going to be it's going to be incredible we're going to have such a good time
0: yeah it's going to be amazing fun it's going to be an incredible learning opportunity yeah. you know um and it's just an experience of a lifetime yeah and bookings are coming in so if you are
1: seriously thinking about it get in touch secure your booking um at the moment we're working on a system to be able to take a deposit but if you want to secure a spot um just send us an email and we'll get you on the list and
0: secure you a spot while we figure out the deposit system it has to be said that they're very limited places There are yeah. only six places eight. Oh, sorry eight places yeah. only eight places per uh, per workshop. Yeah. So it's extremely limited, and uh, where we are now, the middle of March, um, some of those are already filling up. Yeah. So it's it's. I can't wait. It's going to be so yeah, cool. It's going to be incredible. Fantastic. Uh, so, if you want to uh, learn more about about these incredible workshops, um, well, I'm going to put the uh, email address or the, the website address. Um, at the bottom of the screen and of course you can find all the details in the description of uh, this podcast and the youtube video of course if you are listening or if you're watching on youtube in fact you'll find all the details in the description um but if if people sign
1: up to the camera shake mailing list we're going to give you a secret 5 percent discount on the workshop through that email system so sign up to that and you get a five percent discount code
0: for the workshop and all you have to do is go to camerashakepodcast.com click on join the community and sign up to the mailing list and you'll you'll be able to get a five percent discount um on these incredible workshops
1: just because you're you and you're in this audience and you listened to all of that
0: (laughs) fantastic (laughs) amazing So this was a quick one. We've come to the end of episode 147 um, of the Camera Shake podcast this week with some incredible news for you. Thank you so much for watching this video. If you enjoyed it, please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel for more great content. But before you go, let me share a quick insight from behavior science. When you engage with content you enjoy, you not only make the creator's day, but you also trigger a positive emotion in yourself. It's a small action that can make a big difference in how you feel. So by liking, commenting, or sharing this video, you're not only supporting us, but you're also benefiting yourself. It's a win-win situation. If you enjoyed this episode, let me recommend another episode that I think you'll love. Check out episode 97 with Dave Williams, back from his first expedition to the Arctic North, including Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Lapland. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, we'd love to hear. Your comments are incredibly valuable to us and help us improve our content. So please don't hesitate to share your thoughts. Remember to hit the like button, ring the bell, and share with your friends. You can help us reach a greater audience all over the world. Once again, thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time.